0: Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Well, we're continuing in our series through the life of Joshua. This is part three. We sort of paused on the series in Joshua last week um, because we had a guest speaker come. Pastor Dave Buring came and spoke last Sunday and just gave a great message on waiting. Um, But as as the Lord does, like I feel like it really fits in so well because this morning we're talking about what happens when you delay and you shouldn't. (laughs) And so there are seasons to wait. Where, the God, where God has us pause, where he has us slow down. Sometimes we might even feel like, why is this taking so long? But he has us there. And so this morning we're talking about what happens when it's clear that it's time to move forward, when it's clear that it's time for a new season or to take new territory. And, and we receive a warning about delaying when God's calling us to act. And so I would encourage you, even as you look to apply these things You know, you may find yourself this morning as we work through this message, you may find yourself being more in a, you would love to be called to go and you don't feel that freedom yet. Store this away for when the time comes where the Lord's saying, act, move, step forward. Store that away. Or maybe you've been in a season of waiting and you you sense that the Lord is calling you into something new. Um, I, I pray we'll all hear something this morning that would equip us and encourage us how to have eyes of faith, and then to put some obedience behind that faith and take territory God intends for us. So that's where we're heading together this morning. So I know we've just been praying and worshiping, um, but I want to just pray together one more time as we move into Numbers chapters 13 and 14. And so you can start turning there if you want. I'm just going to ask the Lord to come and speak to us through this story um, found in Numbers 13 and 14. So Lord, we thank you for Joshua and his life in particular, Um, God, his faithfulness to you. And Lord, I just believe there's much for us to learn from his life and his walk with you. And so Lord, um, I just pray this morning as we look at this passage and we see some people walking in courage and in faith and we see others wrestling and struggling and even, even shrinking back. Lord, I pray that we could see you for who you are. Lord, that you would instill this truth in our hearts. God, that we could be people who, who walk by faith and not by sight. God, whose eyes are fixed upon you. And that we would have courage, even in the face of obstacles, God, to do what you've called us to do. Would you do that work in us? And Lord, I just wanna pray especially, if there's any of us present, that this applies in a very specific way in our lives right now, God, would you, would you just speak some truth into our hearts? Lord, may we hear what you want to say. May we respond to just your Holy Spirit promptings. And Lord, we thank you that where you correct us or where you call us, God, by your grace, you give us the ability to walk it out. Lord, you never call us to walk alone. We learn to walk in step with you. And so would you do that in our hearts today? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so we've been we've been kind of looking at Joshua so far in this series during kind of some of his earlier younger days. He has not taken leadership yet. Um, he's he's Moses' assistant. Um, he's a warrior. He's a leader among the people, and he's just kind of he's growing into his roles and responsibilities that will ultimately lead him. Um, into becoming the leader who leads God's people into the promised land. But that's 40 years away right now, or maybe 38 years away about where we're gonna pick up the story this morning. And so um, God's people have come out of Egypt. We've already looked at that. They've come out of Egypt and they're just, they got established as a people and almost right away, they fought a battle. The enemy came and attacked them. And so we saw one of the things Joshua learned early on is like, he has an important part to play, but he's a part of something bigger than him. And I think it's really important for us in our individualistic society to realize we are a part of God's people. And he does call us to specific things as individuals, but He, He, we are meant to be anchored in community. And so we do this together, collectively. And not only is it bigger than us in the sense of like, I'm connected with other people here and now, but... I'm a part of a a story that God is telling over thousands of years. And so we're coming into the middle of thousands of years of people walking with God. And we're called to be here in this time, in this season, in the place he has us with the people that he has us with. And so we start out the story just seeing like Joshua stand and fight and do his part, but learning to rely upon the Lord and upon others like right from the start of his story. And then a couple weeks ago, we looked at how important it was that early in Joshua's life, he learned to be established in just um, cultivating a relationship with God and how he watched Moses as a friend of God and Joshua would purpose in his heart, I'm gonna hang out in the presence of the Lord. I'm gonna make that my, my norm, my habit, my routine is to be in the Lord's presence. And so collectively as a people, They were to learn to be in the Lord's presence and individually everyone was called to spend time with the Lord. And so that intentionally leads us into this because if we don't learn how to cultivate that walk with the Lord, how will we even know when he's directing us now to some action? And so we pick up the story now this morning um, and we're going to do this a little differently. There aren't like three main points, like here's your three application points. We're just kind of breaking the story down into three pieces. And so there's the, the, the children of Israel about to be called to go spy out the land. And so we have them spying out the land. Then we have their report when they come back from spying out the land. And then we have the results of that report, what they do in response. And so here's the call to spy out the land. So this is Numbers 13 verses 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. I want you to see that right from the beginning. This wasn't go spy out the land to see if maybe this will work out. (laughs) It was very clear from the start the time is now, and God is ready to give them the land. And he just wanted to go scout it, get a sense of what you're about to encounter. And so, send the men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man; every one a chief among them. Now, typically, um, if you've heard this story before, you know you, maybe you learned it all the way back when you were a kid in, in Sunday school or something like that. Like we we hear about the twelve spies, and they are the twelve spies. But these were leaders. These were like chiefs among the people. These these are people of influence and leadership who are called to go out together and scope out the land that God is giving them. It's a gift that God wants to give them. And so they're sent out. Um, now, I'm not going to unpack this this morning for time's sake, but you could read through verses 3 through 16, kind of give us a sense of who these people are. We get their names, and so we just see these key leaders identified in the scripture that are being sent out. And then Moses gives them some instructions, verses 17 through 20, and this is the essence of the instructions he gives them. He tells them, number one, go check out the people that are in the land, see who's there. Are they weak or are they strong? Are they many or are they few? So get a sense of what you're about to face. Who are these people? What are they like? How many of them are there? Not only do I want you to go discover the people, I want you to see how they live. How do they live? Is the land um, productive for them? Like, is it good or bad? Like, are they utilizing the land well? Is it providing for them? And also, like, how do they live? Are they just kind of camping out? Or do they have established strongholds, fortified cities? And so get a sense of the people, get a sense of how they live. And then finally, Moses is saying, go check out the possibilities. Like not just the the obstacles, like the people that we're going to face and and how well they're fortified or not. Go check out the possibilities. See what the land is like. Is it rich? Is it poor? Are there trees there? And bring us some of the fruit. I want to see examples of the fruit. And so these men go out for 40 days and they scope out the territory. They get a sense of the people. They get a sense of the land. They get a sense of what it's like there. And so in the midst of these 40 days, um, did I give these bullet points, Andrew, to pop up there? Let's just pop these these up there really quick. So during their 40 days of exploration, they, they discover this. This is in Numbers 13, 21 through 25. First of all, the people. In an area called Hebron, they found descendants of Anak. Does that mean anything to any of you? Anybody familiar with that? It's a a few of us might, I see a few head nods. Okay, it's all right if it doesn't, we'll get there. And then list these three names. They found descendants of Anak. So um, I would love to do a whole sermon sometime on the children of Anak, the Nephilim, the scripture calls them. Um, But I just wanna give you a brief sense of this. So these are the people that are the giants. Goliath comes from this same line, okay? And the scripture tells us that these people are, are a unique, that's very unique. They're, they're a hybrid. This is people who've intermingled with demons. And I'll just say it that way. We got young ears in the room. We don't have to get super graphic about it or whatever. But I just wanna say like, this isn't just like, hey, there's some tall people there. Like these are true giants, and it's come as a result of of people interacting with, cooperating with, mingling with demons. Now, that may seem very strange to our ears to think of the dynamics of that or what does that look like, but I think what we all ought to be able to relate to is the giants that we face in our own lives and that friends of ours, family members of ours have faced because they have participated with demonic activity and cooperated with things that destroy. Like that's, that's what the devil does, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. And when we partner with, cooperate with the person who is our very enemy, giants are the result. If you've ever personally walked through like an addiction as an example, or you have a close family member who has, you know what a giant that can be. If you've ever been in a season of your life where you felt like oppressed, struggling. Like there, there's a real battle that I'm facing here. This is outside the norm of just like life is hard sometimes. Like I'm fighting like real opposition. It's a giant in your life. And so they go into the territory and they identify, hey, in that area over there, Hebron, there's some giants there. We know about those people. Man, this is, this is gonna be a battle. Like we gotta face something big here. And so they see that they also saw giant opportunity. Like the fruit that they discovered and they found, they brought back, it says, pomegranates and figs. A single cluster of grapes had to be carried on a pole between two men. So there was a lot of fruit there. There was a lot of good stuff waiting for them there that was fruitful and wonderful, but there were obstacles there. There were giants there. There were demonic influences at work in that territory. So kind of a mixed bag, right? Like that'd probably be the way I'd look at it, kind of a mixed bag. There's some some good opportunity here. There's some real challenges here. And so they return after 40 days of spying out the land. They've taken all of this information in. And I I just wanna say at the outset of this, they were instructed to go check things out. And it was right and good for them to give a full, accurate report of what they saw. There's nothing wrong with seeing things for how they really are. And so they spy out the land, they identify what's going on there, they see the territory, they see what they're facing that are challenges, and they see what's available that's good. And they do see that it's a land flowing with milk and honey. There's good stuff waiting for us there. And so they come back from, from spying out the land, and now they give their report. And so let's start together by just reading kind of their initial assessment, the first few words given. And so they come back to Moses, and all the people are there, and they're, they're giving this report to Moses. And this is now in Numbers 13, verses uh, 27 through 29. And they told Moses, We came to the land to which you sent us, it flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. So they they show them the good. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And then they list some others and where they live in the countries that they dwell in. And so they give a report. Now, I don't know the tone of voice they were using. Maybe there was already some fear that seemed to be present. But just the words on the paper, at this point, they're giving an accurate report. The land is good. It's fruitful. And man, there's some people there. And there's some fortified cities there. And there are some giants in the land. And there's different groups of different people in different regions that you're telling us we're gonna go in and take. And so they give this report. And this is a crucial moment right here. Remember what what we said at the beginning, these are not just spies, these are leaders. So what they say and how they communicate it matters. And I believe Caleb very much sensed this moment and the possibilities. Let's just by show of hands really quick. How many people in the room would you say you tend to lean towards like the pessimistic side of things? Anybody willing to admit that this morning? Tend to be a little more on the pessimistic side? All right. Realistic. I'm saying pessimistic right now. I think realistic is probably where we should be, but I'm pessimistic, right? Like I can lean that way. I think all pessimists view themselves as realists, right? Rick, yeah, yeah. By the way, did you notice my hand was up as I was asking if anybody had a show of hands? All right, what about any optimists? Anybody willing to say, hey, I'm an optimist? Good, all right, we have some optimists in the room, right? So like these same people are hearing this report, right? There's the pessimists and there's the optimists and some of them are just hearing, man, milk, honey, fruit, yes, sign me up for the buffet line, let's go. Like some people are gonna hear that, right? And they're excited. Others are like, hold on a minute. I mean, I hear there's fruit and stuff, but like giants, the the descendants of Anak, like demonic activity, like hold on a minute, fortified cities, like we're just people wandering around in a desert with tents, fortified cities. And so feeling this moment, I love how Caleb responds. Verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people Probably probably both, right? The optimist and the pessimist. Hey, let's all just quiet down here. Here's what really matters, okay? You've heard the report. You've heard the information. And Caleb quiets the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. I love that. Clear, direct, let's go. Why could Caleb have that kind of confidence? Like he saw the good and he saw the bad, right? But he'd paid attention to what Moses had instructed them. He said, go spy out the land. Cool, we've done that. We've seen it, good and bad. But Moses also told him, God is giving this land to us. And so for Caleb, it's like, hey, We're just going to receive what the Lord is giving. We're well able. Whether we're weak or we're strong, we're well able. Because we can do this. (laughs) God's giving it. Like we can receive what he has for us. We can participate in what he's inviting us into. We are well able to overcome it. Because Caleb wasn't just seeing the land as it was or even themselves as they were. Like, he, he heard the message from the Lord. I'm giving this to you. But oh, how quickly that one voice, and, and we find out later Joshua was participating with Caleb and encouraging them to go. But the other 10 voices kind of rise up and speak. Verses 31 through 33. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. From well able to unable. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Who did these guys have their eyes on? Themselves and the giants, right? We aren't able. Look at them. They are more than capable. Verse 32. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. Is that true? No. It wasn't all of the people in the land that were of great height. You see how they're going from like an accurate report to now an inaccurate report because as they've looked at the obstacles, they're becoming overwhelmed by them and now it's all they see. All they see is the giants. All they see are the obstacles. They no longer see the opportunities. Like there's no conversation about fruit here in this part. They no longer see the opportunities They see themselves through a negative lens. They see the obstacles that are overwhelming, and there's no mention of the Lord. There's no mention of him. They're just saying, hey, we are in trouble here. In fact, they go on, verse 33, and there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Do you see the, the trend? See, what, what they're beholding, what they're looking at, what they're focused on is controlling how they see the whole thing. See, the reality is we're not, we're not called to be like optimists or pessimists. We, we are called to be realists, a true realist. Not optimist, not pessimist. And we're supposed to look honestly, but even when we look honestly, guys, we're called to look with eyes of faith. Eyes of faith. Because it is easy in this life to miss God's presence in it. It's easy to get our eyes off of him and his promises and get our eyes onto the obstacles that are right in front of us. It's easy to do that. We're prone to it. And these 10 men were. They're like, man, as we walked through this land, we just start to see how challenging and difficult this is gonna be. And I don't know if we're up for it. I mean, I even wonder if some of them were like, hey, these people like freaked out and made a golden calf just a few months back. How are they gonna make it when they're facing an enemy? Like they couldn't even handle being patient for 40 days when Moses was on the mountain. How are they gonna hang in there Focusing on failures, focusing on the past, focusing on their own weakness, focusing on the enemy. And they're even now projecting onto the enemy. The enemy sees us as grasshoppers. As as we're gonna see years later as they move in and do take territory, that's not the way the people of the land view them. People of the land had heard about their God. They were nervous. But see, they didn't even have that perspective. Their eyes were in the wrong spot. How do we view the things that God might be calling us to step into? What sort of eyes do we view those things through? Am I an optimist looking unrealistically at obstacles? Because that's not the invitation either. Like Jesus even talked about counting the cost and the importance of counting the cost. I'm not promoting this morning this, this sense of just, I never see anything wrong. Nothing bad's ever going to happen. Nothing bad ever happens to me. Is that Lego movie or something? I don't know. Lego Batman. Lego Batman movie. Isn't that great? That's what's just running in the back of my mind. That wasn't even in the notes. Just there you go. That's for free. Lego movies. I quote them. Okay, great. But like we're not it's not that it's not that goofy false sense of like everything's always going to be fine it's never going to be hard there's no obstacles and like meanwhile you're on the sinking ship and you just won't admit that you're on the sinking ship like that's not that's not what we're talking about this isn't a false optimism it's recognizing that when God says hey i'm calling you to go there and i'm going to be with you when you go there trusting him taking him at his word. And so going, hey, I can look honestly at these obstacles and go, hey, there are giants there, but they're nothing in comparison to my God. And in him, I'm able. In fact, maybe he wants to slay some giants because it's time for them to go. And in order for me to enjoy fruitfulness, these giants have to be faced first. And I'm not alone. God is with me. Paul talks about this idea of walking by faith, not by sight. Not just relying our own perception of things, but trusting what God has spoken. And what I love about this, the context of this, this verse. You guys know that verse, walk by faith, not by sight? It's from Second Corinthians 5, verse 7. And actually the context of the verse, Paul's talking about the ultimate promised land. He's talking about navigating the days of our life here with heaven set before us. And at times that longing to just go and be there. (laughs) And yet there's stuff for us to do here. And so how do we navigate that? And so I wanna read a little bit of this context here. This is 2 Corinthians 5, verses six through nine. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body to be at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to what? Please him. See friends, here's what's so important. When we're talking about taking new territory that the Lord wants to give us. For many of us, that'll even mean like things, we, things we've dreamt about for a long time. Maybe it's a particular like job or promotion, a place we wanna be. Uh, you know, I don't know what it might be for you, but like we all have these like dreams that we carry around, things we'd like to see happen. But even the very gift that wa- God wants to give us our eyes can be consumed by that thing instead of just aiming at him. See, we aim at him and we just let him take care of the rest. And so the real thing that needs to hold our eyes is not the obstacles or the opportunities, it's Jesus. And we make it our aim to please him. And so whether he's calling me to wait, as Pastor Dave talked about last week, you know what I can do while I'm waiting? I can can fix my eyes upon him. I can enjoy the Lord. I can wait and I can worship. And he can be my vision. He can be my focus. And then when he's saying, hey, it's time to take some steps, some faith-filled, obedient steps into a future I have for you, I'm not just chasing my dream or my future. I'm aiming to please God. And so I go with him and for him because he's in it. And so when there's fruit to enjoy, I can enjoy it with gratitude. When there's giants to face, I can face them with confidence, knowing God is with me. He's got this. And so we aim our eyes at him. I don't know if y'all remember back, because this was a few weeks ago now, um, but when we were talking about spending time in the Lord's presence, we talked about how easy it is um, when, our, when our sight is off and, and we find certain things to prioritize. And, and I said it like this, what we prioritize, we will idolize. And what we idolize, we'll worship. When we fix our eyes on him, When he's our priority, then we worship him. And then whatever road we're walking, whatever step of obedience, it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Even facing a giant can be an act of worship. All right, God, this thing is intimidating, and it's in my way, but you said it's time to face this thing. And so I wanna participate, I wanna say yes, I wanna obey you, but God, I'm excited to see what you're gonna do in this. And we watch him work in that situation. We walk by faith, not by sight. He's the one that should hold our gaze. All right, last thing, the response. I'm sure many of you know the response, but I just I want you to see this, um, even if we can't relate to all of it, It's kind of, there's a lot of things that happen in the people's hearts when they respond to this report. Because up to this point, we just have the leaders. Some of them are saying good and encouraging things like Caleb, like let's go for it. Others are giving the discouraging report. And now it's time for the people to decide what are we going to do? How are we going to respond to this? And so Numbers 14 verses 1 through 4 paint the picture. And sadly, it's not good. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? That's a great question. You really think that's what's going on? It's how they felt. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Man, look at that report. The obstacle felt so overwhelming. It's not even like they had started and like lost a battle. They're just seeing the difficulty ahead, and this is their response to it. Crying loudly and weeping. They're grumbling. They're grumbling, they're complaining, they're looking back. These are some sure warning signs for us. When I find myself just stuck and grumbling about my circumstances, grumbling at the Lord, grumbling at my spouse. You know, maybe we got in a spot and like one of us was kind of encouraging us to go this direction. The other one was like, "Ah, I don't know, maybe I'm apprehensive. And now we're there and it's not going so well. Nobody can relate to that, okay. (laughs) Right, like I'm talking about real life stuff here. And we find ourselves like down and grumbling, looking back, I wish we could just go back to that. Even questioning why God would bring them there to die. Listen, like, I I don't know about you guys. I read that list, I'm like, man, I totally do this. I do this stuff. Y'all, like, I don't even know because it seemed like such a long season, but like six or eight months into like after COVID hit, I'm looking around going, God, like we moved here to start this church and now we don't even have a place to meet. Like we can't even go to the building and then we try to rally people for gatherings and everybody's just, you know, uncertain and nervous. Like, are we gonna make it? I I almost said these exact words. Like, did you bring us to Knoxville so this church thing could die? Like I was basically saying those words. Just real talk with you guys. Like I, I wish I had like some great stories about how like I've achieved all these victories in this area of my life. Eh, Maybe a few, but there's plenty of moments where I can relate to their response. Grumbling, feeling stuck, questioning God what's going on here? Wanting to choose a new leader and go back. In the middle of all of this, you know, I think it's interesting, and and I want, I hope this is an encouragement to you because I know a big part of this message is kind of, it's kind of a warning message. You know, there's some messages that are just very hopeful and encouraging, and then this is a little bit more kind of on the warning side. But I just wanna say, I believe up to this point, there's still no judgment from God yet. They've heard a bad report, and they're even responding now badly to that report. But they have one more opportunity So when Joshua and Caleb stand up one more time, and I'm just gonna pick this up and read their words. This is kind of picking up about the middle of verse seven through verse nine. Joshua and Caleb stand up before the people. They tear their clothes. They're like, guys, we are responding wrongly. We need to see this with proper eyes. And they said, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they're for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Friends, there is great power and encouragement and there is great need for it. We live in a day where we need some encouragement. Yeah? There are plenty of people who are discouraged and overwhelmed and beaten down and anxious and depressed and we need some reminders of truth. We need reminders of who our God is that he's the faithful and that he's up to stuff and that even in in bad seasons, even when there is difficulty around us, we don't have to deny it or pretend it's not there. We can just see through it to recognize God's here and he's at work and there's fruit even in a place like this. And so they, they stand up and they encourage them and he reminds them of two key things. The Lord delights in us and he's with us. Like, he he loves us. He delights in us. And he's with us. We're not alone in this. We need to be reminded of that. God cares about us. He delights in us. And he's with us. And so then they're told to do two things don't fear and don't rebel. Listen, it's okay that you got nervous for a minute, but we don't need to be afraid of these people. Let's go forward. Come on, don't fear. And let's not rebel and turn back and run away. Let's obey his clear direction. He's told us we can do this. Let's do it. Let's go forward. And I believe right here is the turning point in the whole story. They could have gone through their wrestling and their struggle and the the hard things they're facing and their grumbling and all of that. They can go through all of that, and they have this moment to respond properly and get realigned back with the Lord. And link arms together and go, we can do this. And so friends, I just want to say to you this morning, whether this is where you're at right now, or if this is in advance of seasons to come, we will find ourselves in situations like this, where it's time to take new territory. And it will be a difficult journey. But if God is initiating it, if he's calling us to it, he is not going to abandon us in it. He is faithful to fulfill his promises. He loves us. He delights in us. And he's with us. And we can go forward. And so I want to encourage you, where are your eyes focused? If you're discouraged, if you're grumbling, if you're questioning, aim at him. Fix your eyes upon him. Let some encouragement be spoken into you. You know, there's a reason it's called encouragement. It's meant to fill us with courage. Yeah, courage. That's what God wants to give us. Do Y'all know the story? How it turns out? (laughs) Not so good, is it? Yeah. Well, in summary, sadly, the people are still discouraged. In fact, they're so discouraged, they wanna silence the voices of those speaking truth and they want to stone them. <laughs> yeah, cancel culture, there you go. That, this is like real cancel culture. Like we're gonna cancel you by literally stoning you. They want to silence those voices of truth and encouragement. And of course, God intervenes and doesn't allow it. And the very faithful people, they wanted to silence are now the ones going to the Lord on their behalf, saying, Lord, be merciful. And Moses cries out to the Lord on behalf of the people. And I, I want you to see something that I, I just don't think we often consider. Like I know, I know our culture doesn't consider it for sure. But I, I am afraid that even within the church, we are, we are more and more, we aren't considering how the Lord feels about things. We're very aware of how we feel about things. I like this. I don't like this. This makes me sad. I wish it was different. We're very aware of our emotions of how we feel about things. And we actually spend a lot of time in church trying to preach to people's emotions and make them feel better. Now, I do believe God cares about people, and I do believe God wants to comfort people. But it's time for the church to remember that God feels certain ways about certain things and will we care about how he feels? And I want you to see how he feels about this because he's done a lot for them. He's brought them out of slavery. He's forming them into a people. He's providing their daily meals. He's already helped them defeat the first enemy that they faced. And he hears all of this in, in Numbers 14, 10 and 11. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the peoples of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? Like He took it personally. How long are they going to despise me? Do they even see me? Do they trust me? Do they understand my heart towards them? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? This is what the Bible's talking about when it talks about the fear of the Lord. Like, do I have reverence for him? Do I understand him and where he's coming from and his perspective? Do I care about how he feels about things? God's like, man, I wanna show off for you. I want to provide for you. I've got this land for you. I've made a space for you. How long will you despise me? How long will you not believe in me? And even in this, I love when Moses appeals for pardon and mercy. He appeals to the character of God, not the goodness of the people. (laughs) Because they ain't. Numbers 14, 17 through 19 now. Moses is crying out to the Lord to pardon the people, and he says, now please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt till now. Moses drew upon what he knew about the Lord, the revealed character of God, and asked for mercy. And so friends, to, to close things, I, I wanna remind you of a couple of things of what comes next. You can read the rest of the story. It's verses 20 through 45. The first thing I wanna encourage you with is the promise does come, but it's delayed. It's delayed. And it's delayed by a whole generation. It's delayed by a whole generation. This current generation of adults had to die in the wilderness. Forty years. Because they were unwilling to trust the Lord and obey. But the Lord did fulfill the promise. He gave it to the next generation and to Caleb and Joshua. Those two faithful guys who said, we believe and we trust in the Lord. 40 years later, they finally begin to take the territory. Now led by Joshua, Caleb's an old man, but still going strong as we see in the scripture. And I love what happens. I wanna read this to close things this morning. This is Joshua 15 now. 40 years later, after bringing the good report, even seeing the giants in the land, and look what the scripture says. Joshua 15, verse 13. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the people of Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. What's Hebron? Arba was the father of the Anak. This is the area where they saw the giants. Verse 14. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, the same three names, that were mentioned when they were spying out the land. He drove them out, the descendants of Anak. God is faithful. The giants will be slayed. But we choose to not rebel and to not fear? When the Lord says it's time to go, will we be faithful to go? Let's fix our eyes on him and we'll have everything we need. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you give us the instruction of Scripture for our benefit, for our growth and our learning. Lord, thank you that we can learn from the successes and faithfulness of your people. And God, that we can also learn from their struggles and mistakes. And Lord, I I just acknowledge I can relate to a lot of the mistakes made in this story. God, there are times where it's just easy for me to just see what's right in front of my eyes and become discouraged and feel defeated. God, to grumble, to wonder where you are and what you're doing. God, I just I acknowledge that to you this morning. Lord, I pray that today in my life and in my life going forward, and God, I pray this for my friends here in this room as well. Lord, that when we need to, we will hear this Warning, and we will hear this correction, Lord. That our eyes would be fixed upon you, knowing that you delight in us, that you are with us, and that you are faithful to accomplish your promises, God. That you have good fruit for us in the land, and that there will be obstacles, God. When we're living in your kingdom and we're participating in taking new territory. There will be giants. There will be obstacles. But in you, we are well able to overcome them. Fill us with courage and may our eyes be fixed upon you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.